Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. What does that look like to trust Jesus? How do you live that out in your life? And I think Chris struggled with that. Um, and I, you know, we all do. Um, I think he particularly did because of, you know, family of origin issues and um, how he had lived his uh, his adult life. Michelle Arnoldy joins Pastor Paul today to talk about PTSD and the tragic death by suicide of her husband, and also about grief and God's grace and comfort that has been with her. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, so glad you're with us on Life Support. What we do in this program is we talk about some of the difficult places that we go in life to glorify Christ because it seems like in those dark times, that's when we find out more about who God is. And so glad to have you with us. Our guest today is Michelle Arnoldy, and she has a story to tell. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's a life coach, a chaplain, a mentor of women. She's been a trauma nurse. She's a writer now. We're going to talk (laughs) some more about that, and I'm so glad to have you here. Michelle, thank you for being here. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be here. Now, you have um, one of those stories that's not an easy one to tell, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of, you know, leans right into our genre of this program. Um, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of pain. Uh, Christians aren't necessarily great at talking about that. And so um, I'm really thankful that you're willing to talk about your story. Happy so you're thinking about writing a book, and this is my way of getting into your story. So um, tell me why you'd like to write a book, and what are the events that began to spur that process? Sure. Well, why I'm writing a book is I felt the Lord calling me to do that. And the purpose is to ultimately glorify God. Um, My story, as I'm writing it, it is raw, and it doesn't make me look great, doesn't make my husband look great, but it makes God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit look amazing. Mm -hmm. So, and it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And in all the yuck and the ugly Jesus was there yeah, and guided us and re- has redeemed things. It's just, it's an incredible story. Well, let's hear more of that story. Tell me about Chris and tell me about some of the events that um, led up to, what, three years ago? Yes, yes. Um, well, three years ago on Good Friday, um, it's about 7.30 in the morning and I got out of bed and... Chris was upstairs in his office, and he needed to leave. Um, He had a meeting, and I knew that. So I kind of hollered up the stairs and said, Chris, come on, you got to go. You got to have your breakfast. No answer. And I just got this feeling in the pit of my stomach. Mm. And I ran up the stairs, and um, I found him hanging. Mm. Um, I'm a trauma nurse. I knew what a body without life in it looked like. And I saw that. I I saw his face. But I had to do something, Mm -hmm. you know, especially I'm trained to do that. So I tried to get him down. 
and it's possible, impossible. And uh, I used all the mighty strength that I thought I could have at this critical moment. It wasn't there. So I didn't know what to do. And immediately I started saying, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And I didn't say anything. That was my mantra. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but that's what came out. And I think it's just the power of the name of Jesus. So I called 911, and they you know, he instructed me to go downstairs in the kitchen and get a knife. So I did, and I was able to cut him down, and then I just started CPR. Mm-hmm. And um, the rescue team ar- arrived and all the um, emergency vehicles, and they put me in. I ran into my office downstairs, and they had a, a police officer stay with me. And then um, I made some calls, and people, my family and close mm-hmm. friends started showing up. One of those days that you ne- never think you're going to live through. <laughs> never. Never. I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. Which is... You had no idea it was coming? I had no idea it was coming. And yet, mm-hmm. as I write about this in my book and I think back, I go, well, yeah, there were some signs. Mm-hmm. And I should have known better, I feel like. But again, I'm not carrying that. Yeah, don't do know? that to yourself. I won't. Yeah. I won't do that. And I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. But, you know, there, you know, now yeah. you think back, yeah, possibly. Well, the story is that... Um, when Chris was uh, 47 years old, he had been in the Army Reserves, and they thought his unit was going to deploy. And he was kind of excited about that. Uh, he had been uh, laid off from his job. This is in 2008 when we mm-hmm. had the recession. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really working. We owned a coffee shop. which wasn't really doing well. So he really wasn't having his purpose. And after a mission trip that we did together to the Dominican afterwards, he really wanted to re-enlist in the Army because a lot of what mission work is is Army work. So he just got that feeling, and he just had to do it. So he did, and um, much to my dismay, because I really didn't want him to do that. And in order for him to be able to do that, uh, I needed to sign my permission for him to do that. So he was over here. I want to do this. And I'm over here. Ah, 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 ah. And I had my reasons. So we fought literally for one year about this one topic. He wanted to, and I said no. And finally, I just said, all right, we got we to gotta work this out. Yeah. I mean, I'm embarrassed that we even argued about this for a year. Finally interviewed him down at our fire pit for three hours and asked him all the pertinent questions to really seek to understand why this was so important to him. And he did a, a good job trying to explain it to me, but I didn't get it. I still couldn't connect it. And as I was sitting looking into the flames, like, Lord, what do I do? I've got to come up. I've got to either say yes or no right now. I knew it. And what I did learn is that I don't want to say yes, but I also know that I can't say no. Mm-hmm. Um because I think I really got the sense that Chris would resent me if I didn't. So I said yes, and I decided I'm going to be gracious about this. I'm going to be excited for him. I'm going to be mm-hmm. you know, positive about the whole experience. And so I was able to do that. And then two years later is when he heard that he might, they might go to, the, to go to Afghanistan. When his unit didn't go, he just signed up to go as an independent. So he did. Um, and again, I wasn't happy about that, Yeah. but again, 
I just had to let it go. So when you say an independent, explain what He didn't what go that with is. the unit. I see. He just went. He told them, I want to go. Okay. And so they took him and they said, we're going to take you because he was an executive um, and kind of had the gray hair. And the t- people who were leaders in the, um, in the Taliban villages would respect him because of his maturity and his physical maturity, as well as his ability to lead. And so they really felt like he could um, help the leaders see that if you surrender to the Taliban and have them provide for your needs for your village, that that isn't a good idea and here's why. And if you allow the army, we'll do as better, we'll be, not as well, but even better mm-hmm. than the Taliban can. And you can trust the army. So that was his shtick was to, you know, build these relationships with these village leaders. Right. So this was about uh, 14 Two, years ago, so 2009? This was 2010. Okay. He was gone. So not very long ago, so about 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah. was gone for how long? Um, he was gone eight months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he took off and went, and then it morphed when he got there. Um. The situation changed, and he did build the relationships, but then it ended up being more of a combat situation. And that was a surprise to him and to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, I think he agreed to it, but I don't really know for sure. Yeah. yeah. More from Pastor Paul and Michelle in just a moment. I'm Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-presenter of this program And it's stories like this that led us to write a devotional called God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. If you're interested in a copy as a gift for a loved one, you can find out more at the Five Stone Media Facebook page. That's Five Stone Media spelled out. And now back to Pastor Paul. So what was he like when he got home? Was he a different person than when he went, or was it subtle? He was a different person, Mm -hmm. in the good way, in the best way. Um, He struggled a lot with trusting the Lord, um, staying on that narrow road of, you know, life can be challenging, and even if you're a believer, it still can be. And um, what does that look like, to trust Jesus? How do you live that out in your life? And I think Chris struggled with that. Um, and I, you know, we all do. Um, I think he particularly did because of, you know, family of origin issues and um, how he had lived his uh, his adult life, you know, prior to us getting married. But um, so I think that uh, he, um, so I think when he ended up in combat, I think it, he saw the Lord's protection upon him because he told me a couple incidences where there is no way he should have left that situation alive. Mm -hmm. And he saw God's hands and fingerprints all over that. So so being able to come home to the life that he ultimately wanted but wasn't living out, he had a second chance. And so he was ecstatic about that, and um, he just was so grateful for how the Lord saved him and brought him home. Hmm. So I loved it. So how long have you been married by this time? Uh, at that time, we'd been married about 10 years. All right. So you knew him really well. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, through the next few years, uh, were there changes that began to happen within him then, did you see, or did see anything? We had actually left Minnesota. We moved out to the Carolinas because he was able to um, land a job. Again, God's hand, because we're in a recession. And he had done some interviewing, but I think this was his third interview after he got back. So that was within three months of returning from Afghanistan. And they offered him a job. And there was 128 applicants, and Chris got the job. Mm. But it was out east, and he said to me, are you open to leaving? We've, I grew up in Minnesota. I've always lived in Minnesota. And I said, absolutely, wherever the Lord's taking us. So we moved out to the Carolinas, and um, he worked for a large bank out there. And life was really good. I mean, we kind of had this opportunity to start over. Yeah. We didn't have a strong marriage. Um, you know, like I said, we weren't really sharing on the same road. And now I felt like we were on the same road. Mm-hmm. And Chris was just so grateful. To live with him so joyful and so appreciative was really wonderful. So it was great for about three years. And then um, I started to see some changes. And Chris uh, really climbed the corporate ladder quite quickly. He's very talented in what he in, in what he knows and his skills. And um, he's very desirable and has a lot of range in what he can do professionally. Right. Mm-hmm. He was an executive vice president. So he kept moving within this company and moving up and over and up and over and... Um, he sometimes got caught up in that, you know, um, because I think his identity came from what he did, not from who he was in the Lord. So I started to see some changes, and then um, the Lord called us to Iowa. Um, it was actually a lateral move for him, but he wasn't be able to climb higher out east, so we moved back to Iowa, um, or moved to Iowa for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we were there two years, and then I saw major changes of um, going back to the lack of joy was not there, the the stress of his job and life. And um, Chris was always seeking um, pleasure in his life, something to release stress in yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And he'd try one thing and put a lot of money into that, whether it be, you know, hunting or archery, you know, and he kept, and then he'd just keep morphing and moving into other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we found out we were going to, um, our family was growing. So we, um, in Minneapolis, so we moved back to Minneapolis for that reason. And uh, when we moved back, I definitely saw even more of a change. So as you were watching this, I mean, you mentor women, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure that you're in the struggle with God. What do I, how do I walk alongside of my husband in a godly way? What mm-hmm. do I say? What do I, mm-hmm. what shouldn't I say? Mm-hmm. How, what was that wrestling match with God like when you were trying to figure all this out? I, um, I, knew, I know the word. I've been in BSF for like 17 years, and I've studied it. I knew the word. So I wasn't concerned about, do I know his will? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I knew that I needed to support my husband and walk alongside him and be his encourager and his helpmate. And I felt um, I did that well most of the time. But when we got into some of these uh, standoffs, Mm -hmm. 
I didn't do so well. I could start off okay, and then my emotions would heighten, and then I, you know, you know, you can be right. I think it's uh, Emerson um, um, Egerich said, you can be right but wrong at the top of your voice. Yeah. And so I had my meltdowns, and um, it never served me because my husband, especially him as an executive, really needed respect, and I know I needed to respect him. And then I'd kind of shut down for a while, and then the Lord would, you know, the Holy Spirit would speak to me and soften my heart, and I'd go in to apologize and try to get back into being that wife that I know God wanted me to be. But so, God never left me there. Right. Mm-hmm. So those words are, are pretty impactful words, what you just said, though, the wife that God wanted me to be. Yeah. I mean, that has truth to it, but it also has a condemning sort of feel to it as well. I mean, were you hard on yourself during this period of time? Well, I was only, I wouldn't say I was hard on myself, but I was very aware of my sin mm-hmm. when I wasn't, um, you know, being uh, encouraging, yeah. maybe more punishing yeah. to Chris. Yeah. And so what I needed to do was, you know, um, repent of that and then turn around 180 degrees and walk towards Jesus and do it differently to find another way. So that was where my conversations with Jesus constantly came in. I know that doesn't work. You've shown me that. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And he will work with me. And, and he started transforming me to be a woman of truth, to be able to speak my need, but yet still be respectful to him and find out how do we do this journey together. Yeah, and, and that's so hard. I think women have such a difficult role um, you, you mentioned love and respect um, mm-hmm. before, which is a great series, and I've, mm-hmm. I, I've been through that a lot of times. And it's funny, and it's really full of truth, and um, kind of narrows, you know, gets down to the, the brass tacks of what marriage is like. Um, but it's a hard role for a woman. You've got a husband who, you know, is maybe acting a little sporadically. I guess we all do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when we we have sin, lots of it, and mm-hmm. our wives have to kind of watch this and. Mm-hmm figure out how to support. It's a, it's a really hard thing. How do you, what do you tell women who are kind of in that, that same struggle? How do you help them find a road down that pathway? Yeah. Well, I think um, Scripture is very, very helpful, but it's a big book, you know? Yeah. And so, and it's hard to interpret things at, at times. So I would definitely say, being a mentor myself, find a mentor. Mm-hmm. Find a woman who's older than you, who you really enjoy talking to. You have similar personalities. You, um, um, somebody who's um, wise, somebody who knows the word, somebody who can speak into your life. And I think um, it's so helpful. And I've been able to take my life experience and mentor women that are half my age, you know, and really walk with them and help them through that. So I think that's essential in that. Also, I think women need to, you know, remember they're not alone. And that um, that really going to Jesus in prayer and being specific about your prayer. So instead of saying something like, um, you know, like if Chris was not really listening to me, then I would go to Jesus and say, Lord, you know, help me to word it in a way that my husband can hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, give me the words, give me the situation, 
and and you know get very specific because then he when he answers that you know it was him because he will do that for you and so it's very rarely that i prayed for chris to change Mm -hmm. um i prayed for me to change and for him to help me navigate because i felt like then i had uh a say in that because I can say yes to Jesus and do what He had asked me to do. Right. Not that I didn't pray for my husband to um, have less stress and be able to open his ears. But to, you didn't see him as the one who was the problem. I mean, many people go to counseling and they're just going there to have their spouse change and and then we're going to be out of here. But um, I think you took the right tact there. It's it. We can't control the other person. No. Mm-mm. And but yet we do have a relationship with a God who can transform us. Right, right. Um, and when we are obedient to Him, He blesses that. Yeah. And then I would see a change in Chris. <laughs> yeah. You know, so He knows what He's doing. So on that horrible day, and yeah. and some of us have had horrible a horrible day like that. For us, yeah. it was our son and yeah. so forth. And um, did you feel um, as you were processing this? that all of that had been for naught? Did you feel defeated? Did you, I mean, as you process, that day is, you know, that's a different thing. But as in the next few weeks, yeah. um, did you look at God and say, hey, you know, like, this isn't really how this is supposed to turn out? And how did you process that with him? Yeah, I definitely had a lot of questions for God. And mm-hmm. um, I met with him um, all the time. It's really the only place I felt peace and solace was with him. Mm-hmm. And he's my refuge. So my places to meet with him were in my bed, um, under my covers. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time there, mm-hmm. just crying and listening, and talking to him and listening and crying. And I asked him, you know, questions like, why? Why didn't I know? And I would have done this differently. I was bargaining with him. I did a lot of my grief process just with Jesus. I really didn't use the phone. I went to the throne. Mm-hmm. And I think that process was way more effective. And I think I grew much faster. Well, people don't know what to say anyway. Um, yeah. The presence of them in your life is important. You want them, sure. you definitely want them to care. You want them to be praying. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they can really say um, that's going to satisfy you in those moments. But there is the presence of God that does bring. I remember I used to uh, lay in bed at night and I created a playlist for myself, um, all very you know centered on Jesus kinds mm-hmm. of songs, and I just let that play night after night after night. It's the only time I felt peace. Yeah. Is you know you can almost see Jesus emerge out of that darkness, and and uh, and so sometimes it's good. It's good to have friends, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes friends turn into like Job's friends. And uh, they, they, they care enough about you, they want to fix you. And that doesn't ever work out so well. Right. That's so, exactly right. So when you write this book, what, what do you, bottom line, uh, we got one minute. What do you want to say through the book? What's the takeaway? The takeaway? Well, I feel, first of all, I want people to see the character of God and and his son, and and the power of that in, in your life, regardless of your circumstances. Um, I want him. I want them to see that you know, even though your life on the outside could look really great, like mine did with Chris, there could be a lot of internal struggle and pain, and yet Jesus is there for you, and he is, and and you need to 
turn to him and utilize his presence because it makes a big difference. Um, I also believe that um, in my years of coaching and uh, leading Bible studies and serving in the church, I see um, I've come across so many people that I get the impression that um, they believe they have saving faith, and yet I, they don't have assurance of that, or they're misled. And so that's my story with Chris, is I felt at one point in my life, which I do share in the book, I do choose the road to the right, which is the narrow road. Mm-hmm. And then I got off the wide road where most of the masses were going, and Chris was on that narrow road when we dated and got married. And then I felt like he took a detour Mm -hmm. and really was on this wide road. And most of our married life, other than those three years that I mentioned when we moved after he got back, I felt like he was on the wide road. And so I knew my role was to be the example, stay on the narrow road, and just wait for the Lord to do the work. So when it ended the way it did, that was challenging. So I'd say it's really a, a challenge to the reader to make a conscious decision. Which road are you walking? And if you don't choose, you've chosen. Yeah. And that's the wide road. It's really wise. Thanks, Michelle, for sharing your story. Thanks You're for welcome. being so vulnerable. You're welcome. Appreciate it very much. And again, God is with you. That's proof. And uh, I hope that helped you today. Know that God is faithful. His hand is reaching out for you, and you can always grab hold of him. And thanks for listening to Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support